This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Welcome to DesignCast. Jason Reagan will guide you through the MYP design course like a pro. Stay tuned. Hey guys, welcome back to another edition of DesignCast. I'm so fortunate to have Alex Braden here joining us from the Shanghai American School, even though he's not technically in Shanghai right now, but his shirt says Shanghai, so that's all. Alex, it's so great to have you. How are you doing? Great, Jason. Thank you yeah. very much for uh, letting me join in on your pad- podcast. Yeah, no problem. I'm really happy to have you here. Alex, everybody always likes to know kind of how people have gotten to where they are. Cause, so can you tell us a little bit about what you do now and then how you got to where you are now? Sure. Uh, well, currently, as you said, I'm at Shanghai American School on the Pudong campus because our school is split into two. And I'm a halftime tech coach and halftime design tech teacher. And I have one middle school section and one high school section. It's interesting though, that you asked how I got here and my teaching journey started in 96 in the Peace Corps, which is undergoing some challenges right now. My teaching journey started with chalk and a board. I have now ended up teaching tech. So with about 18 years of teaching history in between. So it's been a really, really interesting and fun journey. Kind of into the tech world, got started at my previous school, which was Harare International School in Zimbabwe, where I was hired with the same job description I have now. That was a challenging place to teach design. And in fact, that program only lasted one year out of the three I was there because we had absolutely no resources, nothing to do the program with, and we're not able to get any resources. I I was lucky to have a computer lab and that was about it. So it became very quickly a design, a tech design class instead of more product-based or, or any of the other kinds of design there are. So then leaving Harare to come to China has been a bit of a revolution in a lot of ways. A lot of surprises along the way. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, we all have those journeys and it's great to hear what each person goes through to get where they currently are. And a lot of times we we couldn't have predicted <laughs> the way that we For went sure. down this journey, right? And so it's always good to hear that. I'm sure that there are some similarities between uh, working in Africa and working in Asia, but tell me a little bit more about what you currently do, because I think that that would be really interesting for folks to hear. Yeah, it's been, you know, as I've heard a couple of your guests in your podcast mention that things have changed so much with the the design, the distance learning that's going on now. But at the beginning of the year, I was, you know, walked onto this big, beautiful, huge campus and they they said, okay, here's the room you're going to be working out of. And they had hired uh, another guy to do exactly the same role. His name's Troy Harkin. Uh, He's been absolutely fantastic to work with. And he brought a lot of experience with not only teaching design, but setting up programs. So that's been a huge benefit. But we both walked in the door and they said, okay, you're going to be teaching design tech half the time and tech coaching the other half of the time. And that's presented a lot of challenges in itself is, is striking that balance between when are you a tech coach? coach and when are you teaching design, which was one of the the challenges Troy and I both faced early on. And we solved that challenge by going ahead and blocking out chunks of time. 
where we just weren't a tech coach or conversely, we weren't a design teacher at that moment in time so that we could focus on our other jobs. And that was, and we got a pretty good system down by, you know, around Chinese New Year. And then that all went out the window. That's made for a lot of interesting conversations through, now we use Teams, but, you know, online conversations. As far as the design program itself went, SAS had dabbled in it a couple of years earlier through nobody's fault. It just, the program kind of had to get set aside for a while. And so nothing was really established or in place other than some curriculum and a little bit of uh, projects and things that were totally given over to us and said, here, make them your own if you wish. But they tasked us with picking a curriculum and laying out the course and the expectations. And we're really still in the middle of that, that process. But the program was designed or at least envisioned initially as being a middle years or middle school program. So six, seven, eight. And then in the high school, and originally I teach the only section of high school, and that was going to be just seventh and eighth grade, or I'm sorry, ninth and 10th grade. But they decided to expand it all the way up to juniors and seniors if they wanted to take the class. So it's been a really interesting mix. I have nines, 11s, and 12s in the class. Which, which makes for a lot of fun because the seniors and juniors bring a certain maturity and the freshmen bring a certain energy and lack of jadedness that seniors may have. But it's the envisionment of the administration was just a middle school program and a high school program. And Troy and I both kind of wanted to make that more of a linear progression from middle school to high school. It's become a challenge being distance learning and not having a classroom to be in. And yeah, I mean, the, gosh, the, the challenges kind of go on and on. We're with the distance part. You said something about uh, blocking out your time throughout. How, was it scheduled in your timetable or your schedule or how, how did you guys go about doing that? We had set class times for our sessions or sections of design. I think Troy's got three in the middle school. I have one middle school, one high school. So those were automatically set aside. And then we looked at our schedules and found that we had one common planning period or one common time when neither of us was teaching. And our school's on a eight block rotation. So four on the 8A, four on the day and it turned out block two was free to both of us and so we just went ahead and in our calendars for the rest of the year just blocked it out as planning and the the rest of the tech folks have been really supportive with that you know they know that that's kind of sacred time for us and we sneak off to one of the three different classrooms we have which has been another challenge. We sneak off and, and go playing for our classes. That's great. I just wanted to ask too, so are you both on the same campus then? Because I know SAS has two campuses. Are you both at the Pudong campus or how does that work? Yeah, we're both on uh, Pudong. There's kind of a, a room called the Design Studio, which unfortunately we don't use for our design classes because it's a great space. It's big and open and lots of room, but it's used more of uh, more as like a trainings room and people pop in there for tech coaching help and that kind of thing. We have that common space where we're at most of the time. We have a middle school room that used to be a science room for the middle school classes. And then for the high school class, I share what used to also be a science room with the robotics club, which is not exactly ideal, but in progress of changing for the classes. But yes, we are both on the same campus. You've already kind of moved me into the next thing I want to ask you about, which was a couple things. First, overall, what's the vision for this? Is, is, is the idea that you'll create sort of like a pre-engineering pathway, you know, or is it going to be just a general elective call design? You know, what is the overall vision? And then next, what kinds of projects have you guys been doing this year? And what would you keep and what would you not do again? Oh, boy. We'll start with the overall progress or vision. That's a great question. Uh, and it shouldn't be, but it 
is in the sense that it would be nice if we had just walked into a set program with clear progression from six through 10, that leading into a computer science or an ITGS or those kind of classes. But we don't have that yet at SAS on the Pudong side. We're of the two campuses, we're a smaller one. Distance learning is going to have impacts to numbers and programs that we can't even begin to imagine at this point. For now, our vision is to have, we're gonna next year we'll have two separate middle school sections and those will be independent of each other, but not repeating content. Troy and I are still in the process of kind of figuring out what each one's gonna offer and, and not offer. And then in the high school, we're gonna go next year to having design one and design two. And to take design two, you had to have taken design one. And so I'm in the process now of, gosh, what did I do in design one? And what will I keep for design two or build on for design two? And then what new things do I want to throw in to, to spice up design two and make it a little more challenging? Those are conversations we were just starting before the new year hit. And they said, uh, yeah, just stay on vacation, but it's not vacation. You're working. We really have a good idea where we want to go in the sense of the middle school will be sort of independent types and the high school will be one and two. Beyond that one and two, we just don't know yet. And that's that's going to depend on numbers and the program. And you know, I, we were both tasked very heavily by both principals in the middle school and the high school to make this a showcase program, to make it something that, you know, we all know what it's like when the parents come walking through the halls looking at, you know, is this the school I want my child to go to? You know, that's a fact of being this kind of school is you want it to be attractive and exciting and everybody wants that for their classes anyway. But we're trying to make this something that we can really showcase for students and parents. And then that kind of takes me into your second question of what have you done that you like and what haven't you done and, you know, what are you going to pitch? It's funny because in the middle school and the high school, school, just coincidentally, when we went on the Chinese New Year, we were in the middle of some very hands-on kind of stuff. We had been doing a lot of programming, coding, uh, using make code and that kind of thing to get the kids in. In the middle school, we were doing Legos. So we'd started with our EB3s and we had just gotten a whole bunch of those and we're super excited. The kids had just finished their tutorials on them and they were going to start their first challenge and it's still sitting on the counter back in the classroom. So we couldn't continue that. And in the high school, I had done the exact same thing. We had been learning how to make microbits work, and we were just getting into using the sensors as a kind of a break from just staring at screens all the time. I wanted to give them something more hands-on, but incorporate the microbit. And so we were going to do some Rube Goldberg machines, incorporating the, the principles they were learning in their physics classes, as well as the microbit and some other stuff. I think we were two weeks into that unit, and there's some really, I'm sure the, the cleaning folks who are going through there are just confused as heck about what they're seeing, because there's these half-built machines and and they're just sitting there and I'm you know I'm really sad that we won't be able to finish that unit or maybe we will but nobody knows that would be a project I would definitely keep because it's it's hands-on it's building when we walked into this program at SAS there weren't a lot of physical materials in in the form of either tools or supplies and so we've spent the first semester really trying to build up at least supplies so that we could do more hands-on stuff because uh, you know I really feel it's important for kids to be able to build as well as type and program and you know, to mix that up and make it really a blended kind of design class. Yeah, that's been a challenge during the distance part to do that. Things I would get rid of or change. I think definitely the way I took on the microbit stuff. This was my first time using those. So it was, whew, that's a steep learning curve right there. I grew up 
in Colorado about 25, 30 minutes from SparkFun. I don't know if you're familiar with, with their products. When we were home over the Christmas break, drove down there and took a tour and really kind of got a better idea of how to use a lot of that stuff. And they offer a great PD over the summer that I plan on signing up to take to upskill myself as well. Because then for design two in the high school, we're going to be getting into not only the micro bits, but we'll take that into Arduinos and going further with that kind of thing. In the middle school, we did do one project where kids were, it was a fantastic project for the design cycle because we had students go and get a client who was a teacher and then work with the teacher and interviewing them about a need they may have. The end goal being the student designing in Tinkercad a, a 3D model and then printing it for the teacher. And it went fantastic right up to the point where all of our 3D printers kind of pooped out on us. It took about a month to print the projects. So that one we may look at again for next year. I think anyone listening would uh, be able to relate to that. <laughs> 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 to the old uh, 3D printer not being reliable when it needed. Oh. So it, it brings me to the question that you mentioned mm-hmm. the design cycle. Is that what you're using sort of as your model for your program, sort of building things around that? And then on top of that, what sorts of framework or standards are you using or adapting? Yeah. Are you using next generation science standards or you do, you know, what is it you guys are mm-hmm. using to do that initial planning? We've kind of pulled from several sources. As I mentioned before, there was an early design iteration at SAS. One of the ones that was recommended we look at at least were the ACARA standards out of Australia. Taken those and made those our basic standards for the class. And then as far as the cycle itself, we sort of blended the MYP category names with the ACARA descriptors. And yeah, we just work our way through that. And it's we've been super happy with it. And it's really lent itself to either focusing in one aspect of the cycle or doing larger projects where you go all the way around and back and forth. And so we've been really happy with that. Yeah, we've adapted the ACARA standards as well, actually. <laughs> uh, well, they were actually developed around the same time as the MYP Next Chapter was going through its, mm. its changes in uh, 2013 or whatever. So a yeah. lot of the verbiage and a lot of the things that they talk about are very, very, very similar. And so we found yeah, that was the closest to adapt to what we were already doing. We could take things out. We could change things. We got rid of things like animal husbandry and things like that to do with <laughs> agriculture yeah. and, and forestry and stuff. But we, you know, we kept a lot of the other things because they have stuff on media and all kinds of things, which is really mm-hmm. good. But what's the ultimate vision? Like you've kind of been talking a little bit about it, but what ultimately, let me, let me back up just a little bit because I have to, I have to ask this question. When you guys were hired, so I'm assuming Mm -hmm. that was just a year ago, what was the motivation for SAS to actually want to kind of reboot this program? As I alluded to before, a lot of that motivation was to, to have something that is tangible and exciting and cutting edge that really shows students. And one of the things I love about design is it allows students to bring stuff in from so many disciplines and other curricula and showcase what they can do and what they can learn. And then its emphasis on evaluating and reflecting is something that, you know, when we had student parent conferences first semester, that's how we ran it for the middle school was kids came in and the parents were there and we talked about what we were doing, but it was really about the students reflecting on what have you learned in doing this project. You know, that's why we've kind of gone that route with it. Our ultimate vision is to give the school what it wants in the sense of, you know, there's there's something the school can point to that students are doing that has a very practical application to the future. I don't want to say it looks like they're doing something because you do something in every class, but it's something that, that kids can envision and create on their own. And that's just something that is unique and special to design. So we, we really want to have that kind of, that kind of ability to show off what our kids can do. Our pushy 
campus recently redid their makerspace design spaces in a way that, that lets them show that off. And in the Pudong side, we're in talks with an architect about how to do that. And so that's kind of our vision going forward with physical spaces. You know, I completely understand. I was curious <laughs> just kind of what prompted or motivated the overall school organization to want to endeavor some of this because it's not cheap, not only with, uh, you know, equipment and manpower and facilities and things like that. Is it treated as like an elective for your students or is it treated as, you know, I'm just curious kind of how it sits into the structure of how things happen at school. It it is an elective both in uh, middle school and high school. So, you know, I'm competing with the arts and and the, the band and those kind of things, but it does reach a group of kids and we had a really good turnout. In fact, we had to add a second, third section to our middle school program because we had so much interest in the middle school for it. And a lot of that interest came from parents because as being any international school, we have families that have moved around to different schools. And if you look, really, really good schools all over the world have full, rich design programs. And, you know, it makes you competitive. I agree. I mean, I'm always a a fan of having a design program. (laughs) I'm not saying that. I just was curious kind of... (laughs) how it all fits in the grand sort of vision of things, but also Mm -hmm. just, you know, kind of what the motivation was for the school to decide to do this because it's not something you can just pick up overnight and do. And yeah, so, I mean, it's, it is, it's it's a tough decision because it does, it means you're going to have to use some resources and then have you, how has it been to get, you mentioned 3d printers, but how has it been Mm -hmm. to get things like that, like 3d printers and and Lego EV3 and all these different things. Has it been difficult for you? I used to work in China. Things used to always be hard to get. So I was just curious, kind of, has that changed or what's the situation? Great question. And we talked about that a little bit before we started, but, you know, coming from my last school in Zimbabwe, where I had zero budget, uh, there was no hope in the future for any kind of budget for design. It was just a make do with what you've got kind of thing. Coming to China has been like walking into a kid in a candy store. It's just like, it's fantastic. I, I can't say enough about SAS and their commitment to the program. When we needed, you know, like I mentioned before, the printers started pooping out on us. And so we started doing research into 3D printers and we came up with one that looked like it would be really good, that would fit our needs. And then we found actually another uh, device called a snap maker. We were able to get a couple of those as well. But every time we've gone to the principals or the head of technology, Alan Price, and said, look, here's what we need. This is why we need it. You know, they want justification, not just because you think it's a cool toy, but how's it going to help the students and help the curriculum. Not once have they said no. And they say, you know, this this carte blanche can't go forever, but we understand you're setting up a program. They've made a commitment to that for at least the next three or four years of just letting us get things stocked and in place. Hopefully this will still happen, but over the summer break, they're going to totally redesign the middle school space. And then the year after that, do the high school space and make that into a full-on design lab. So, you know, I can't, there is just, it's just so much fun. They, they say, okay, what do you need? And you go to Bao Pals or Teo Bao or you fill out the PO and you send it in. And about two weeks later, you know, that part of it's a little slow. You got to plan ahead. But yeah, they've been fantastic about supporting our program. And then anybody who's thinking about setting up a design program really needs to, you know, and, and you mentioned it yourself, it, it's not cheap. It takes a big commitment. But if you can find a school that's going to do that, you're going to have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, I, I find the some of the best professional development you can get is by having to struggle through 
and labor through this process. Uh, and oh God, you've already yes. kind of <laughs> you've already kind of um, answered my question. But I was going to say, if there's people listening and they're in the same position you're in, what's a few things you can advice you can give them on how to prioritize or whatever it is that you think is the most important things to to get this up off the ground? For me personally, the most important thing has been to have someone to bounce ideas off of. And I mentioned before I worked with Troy Harkin in the in the design tech and the tech coaching. He has been fantastic. We just, when we have our planning sessions, we just bounce ideas off each other. He brings a lot of experience in some areas that I hadn't had and I have other experiences he doesn't have. So if you can find a colleague, even if they're not teaching it with you, if it's just online through your PLN or however you find someone, someone you can bounce ideas off of has been by far the most helpful and most important thing. And then I think just, you know, putting in the blood, sweat and tears and letting, if especially if you're getting started with a program, you let the students know, hey, this is what we're doing and this is the first time we've done it and you're going to give me your feedback at the end and we're going to analyze everything that worked and didn't work and, and invite them into the process. It really helps things go along and I've gotten so much, especially my high schoolers who are a little less afraid to give to give feedback. It's It's been eye-opening and, and very educational for me. Yeah, I think involving the students with this is incredibly uh, important. In fact, it probably is the most paramount because I know that you have to make the administration happy <laughs> but at the same time, the reason they're doing it is for those students. And I think getting, you know, really valuable feedback from them is, is incredibly important, you know, and I think knowing what they want helps you decide what direction you want to go with that program. So I think getting that feedback is really, really important. And so that's, that's, that's great advice. Thank you so much for that, Alex. And so I want to ask you also real quickly, where do you go for sources of information? Like who do you follow? You know, do you use Twitter? Do you use LinkedIn? What do you, where do you go to get information that you couldn't normally get just in a normal school day? Twitter's by far the biggest one. And and I was not a Twitterer before really coming to SAS. Uh, once we got the jobs in SAS, you know, I started looking around and once I knew what I was going to teach, got on, got active, started following different people because there's one other tech coach in our office. Um, both of them have been great. You know, hey, follow this person. Hey, follow that person. That's how I came across you and a whole bunch of other people and have just gotten so much information from that. I'm just trying to think of a few like Mike Bycraft is like the stuff he does with Legos is so much fun. And others. Uh, we've I read a few books like Launch and um, some other books on like structuring like the Scrum method and those kind of things. As far as the pure design ideas and design stuff, I think really just going out there and you go down that rabbit hole of Twitter and you know five hours later you come up for air and have learned so much along the way and stumbled across so many resources. It's a heck of a heck of a great place to go. Yeah, it is. It's got a lot of, uh, you know, it, like you said, it can be a rabbit hole that uh, you can you can lose hours in. I think following <laughs> the right folks is, is really important. And uh, yeah, Bycraft is great. I know Mike and he's uh, he does a lot of great work and loves to post it, and which is great because people yeah. can then see it and it's, it helps to keep organized. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's some great uh, advice. So Alex, if people want to follow you, how do they do that? I'm just Alex M. Braden on Twitter. Nothing too fancy or crazy. Yeah, I was sitting back waiting for some more, but uh, hey, We'll go with that. Alex, is there anything else you wanted to add to your journey? Because I know you guys are just getting started maybe in, maybe once in the fall, once you're back and, and we kind of see how you've done a year already. Maybe we can get back together and chat again to kind of see how things have progressed for you. But is there Definitely. anything else you kind of want to, any after having done this a year at, at this school, 
I know that we're in very pre unprecedented times with the online stuff and everything, but taking all of that into account, what's, you know, what's probably the number one takeaway you have from this year that you could share with the folks who are listening? I think flexibility. And it, it doesn't matter whether it's even without this whole distance learning, COVID, holy mackerel, what just happened to the world process, you know, doing any class for the first time is all about being flexible and adjusting your plans and throwing stuff out. And, you know, your question was fantastic about what do you keep and what do you get rid of? Because that's the question you should ask yourself. Yeah, just being that flexible person that can adapt to the situation. And I think, you know, you're, you mentioned at the end of, or rather the start of the next school year, you're going to have a wealth of podcasts you can do about you know what have people now that hopefully we're all back what, what have you kept what will you keep what will you get rid of how is your classroom going to look now that you've done so much online are you going to be more of a flipped teacher than you were before what are you going to keep from that distance learning because there's some you know i as the tech coach i see what teachers are doing holy mackerel there's some amazing stuff I would hate to see them lose just because all of a sudden they're face to face with their kids again. I don't think teaching will ever be the same, at least in our career and, you know, in our memory. I think that uh, <laughs> things will change and I, and that for the good, you know, I think mm, there'll be a, a lot of things changing for the better. I, you know, I like, again, I'd love to have you back and kind of hear how things are going. Maybe in the fall, we'll, we'll try to reschedule something, schedule something then. Love it. But uh, this is great, Alex. Thanks so much. It's been so great to talk to you. I do wish you guys the best. And, and please tell Alan I said, hey. And hopefully I can get down to Shanghai and visit you guys sometime. I do like to visit there as much as I can, you know. But Yeah, you're more than welcome anytime. And if you'd like to see, especially as we're revamping the design spaces, we'd love to get your input and have you look around and tell us what we're doing right and doing wrong. Yeah, anytime, man. And of course, the, the invitation's open anytime you're in South Korea to stop by and see what Thanks. we have. And I'm hoping at some point to do some things where we're actually live on campus, kind of showing facilities and things like that. That's sort of where I'd like to see things go, but we'll talk more about that uh, when we're all back on <laughs> campus. <laughs> Can't do that now. <laughs> That's, what... That's it. All right, Alex. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you, Jason. Have a good one.